I get the opportunity to continue our study of togetherness as we go through the book of Ephesians. And let's just jump right into it today. And I wanna remind you what this book is about. The bigger picture is that Ephesians is a vision of a beautifully diverse church living in perfect unity, shining the light of Christ in a dark world. That's what we've been looking at week after week. What a vision, what a picture of the far reaching love of God in and through Christ, in and through us, his church by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's advancing the cause of Christ. That plan was seen in Ephesians chapter one in verse 10. It says, and this is the plan that at the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. So that's what Paul is trying to get this early church to see and to understand. They helped this church that was such a divided culture, Jews and Gentiles, and bring them together as one. The work of Christ in and through that work that we are all children of God, simply by believing and trusting in Christ. And that work is still moving forward. It's still advancing through the Holy Spirit through us as we shine our lights in the darkness. Last week in Ephesians chapter five, we saw that in verse 13, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it says, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So that's where we ended last week in chapter five. Well, as we continue on this togetherness journey, we're gonna enter a portion in Ephesians that this teaching begins to narrow down to those that are closest to us, basically those within our own home. You see, home is a very important place to focus on togetherness. It's very important. Over the last four months or so during this pandemic, this global pandemic, yeah, there are some people I'm hearing that are, that are experiencing little revivals in their homes, right? They're getting to spend more time together, getting to see their kids a little bit more. They're not on the road as much and that is amazing. But at the same time, we're seeing a lot of families facing some very difficult struggles during this lockdown. And so no doubt, I think that this is a important subject for us to deal with, especially where we are in this time of just chaos around us. Now, as we approach this subject and look at how Paul deals with it, I think it's important to remember that Paul's letter was bringing together that which has been torn apart by sin and power and greed. He was in this structure at the time that was a top-down type of culture, an honor-shame system that put some at the top and others at the bottom. And that was a place where men were put above women, where husbands were placed above wives, where at that time and in that culture, wives were literally subjected to or under the authority of their husbands, often treated more like property than like a partner. And I believe this hierarchy, this kind of system of this patriarchal system, this this pecking order that put people over others, Kind of like, it's like a caste system, right? Jews over Gentiles, owners over slaves, male over females, wives subjected to their husbands was a result of sin. Sin that had taken root for thousands of years in human history. 
If we go back to Genesis, we go back to the fall, we see part of the result of the fall in Genesis 3, verse 16. It says, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And we can still see the results of this kind of sin in many cultures around the world. And even in our own culture, we can still see this. Women still suffer under many patriarchal cultures even today. And they're still fighting around the world to be seen as and treated as equal to men. And as we look at so many times before here at Rancho, Jesus came to turn that system upside down. He came and did the unthinkable when it came to his approach to women, right? I mean, he talked to the Samaritan woman at the well, just him and her. She was even taken back that someone like him would talk to someone like her. He had a moment where a woman that had been bleeding for 12 years, unclean to the core in that culture, touches him and he stops. He addresses her and he heals her. And he even challenges Abraham's allowance for men to be able to divorce their wives for any reason they wanted to. And he goes on, Jesus saying, no, that is not right. Unless they've been unfaithful, you stay married. It's raising the bar of women. But most importantly, this all stems from, right? Jesus flipping this top to bottom, this top down system upside down by the very example of his life. God becoming human, humbling himself and ultimately taking on the lowest position as a common criminal being nailed to a cross. And Paul writes about so much of this. He writes about it more than anyone does. Looking at Galatians chapter 3, 13, he says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For his written, cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. So that curse, right, that, that result of sin, that over the years elevated males over females, Christ came to redeem us from. And look what Paul goes on to say in that same chapter in Galatians in verse 28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So as we jump into Ephesians 5, I felt it was important for us to just consider and understand the culture of that time a little bit better. Because I do believe that some of what Paul teaches was specific for his culture he was writing to at the time. And not to be directly applied to our culture in the exact same way that it was applied to his culture. I say that because this passage in Ephesians chapter 5 is still oftentimes used to put men over women. And and unfortunately, the church, I believe, is often the biggest culprit of doing that. So let's read Ephesians chapter five. Very well-known passage, right? Verse 22, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church's body, of which he is the savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her from the washing with the water through the word and present herself to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. A, a couple things that I wanna point out 
as we consider ways of growing together within our homes that I want us to pay attention to. Number one is this, that what Paul encourages the wife to do is what he encourages us all to do in Ephesians chapter five, verse 21. That's his overarching umbrella over the whole of this whole teaching of husbands and wives. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That is a call for all of us in Christ. And I feel, and this is just my observation, right? That Paul was encouraging women, encouraging wives in a very patriarchal system to continue to live into that, the realities of that system and that culture with a different heart and focus. To not to just submit to men because they're greater than you, right? But to submit to them as unto the Lord, a calling for all of us. You see, I don't think that the Bible, the Bible writers, they're not staking a claim that patriarchal household structures is endorsed by God. They're, they're simply kind of asking how you live like Christ within them. And that's what I believe Paul was teaching into. So, so wives can submit to their husbands, to their a, a calling in, in, a, in a calling for all of us to submit to each other out of reverence for Christ and not because of a patriarchal system that had been oppressing women for thousands of years and still does today. Because you see, husbands, according to Ephesians 5.21, we are called to submit to our wives as well. And what we'll see also to our kids and kids to their parents. So, if taking this passage causes you to say things like the husband is the spiritual leader of the home or like the wife needs to follow the decisions of the husband as long as it's not into some kind of sin or it's the husband's responsibility to provide for the family and the wife should stay at home with the kids. If any of those statements are ones that you feel kind of trapped by, I believe that this passage is being misapplied into our current culture where the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ has moved us away from patriarchy to more towards equality in and through Christ. And, and I started thinking as I was putting this together, am I over-exaggerating? This is really not happening. And then I read an article last week or this, just this last week. And in this article, this lady was talking about how 10 ways to submit to your husbands, talking about Ephesians chapter five. And a lot of them are really good. I actually, I like probably nine of them were, were decent, right? For all of us. But the last one got me. She said, share the same politics or at least stay quiet. And my heart just sank. Man, women were finally given the right to vote just a little over a hundred years ago in our country. And now here we are in 2020 and within the church, it still could be saying that follow your husband's lead. And if you're not on board with him, then be quiet about it. And I just sat there and said, I thought in my head, are you kidding me? That is simply ridiculous. So here's the point I want us to see that togetherness can grow in our homes when we all submit to each other as under Christ. Togetherness can grow in our homes when we all submit to each other as under Christ. I believe that is our call as husbands and wives. And I don't think this is lowering the bar of our responsibility within our marriages. I don't think it's doing that at all. I think what Paul is teaching is actually raising the bar towards equality for both to live out the life of Christ in our marriage. By, by submitting to one another. 
In Philippians chapter two, I, I, this is one of my favorite passages that just continuously captures my heart and mind. Where in verse three it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Man, I use this passage a lot during wedding ceremonies. And often what I say is, how easy is this to apply in everything but within my home and with my spouse? I mean, this verse is like, I could be at work, I could be at school, I could be on my teams, I could be out there at Walmart or at the gas station. Oh man, oh yeah, you just go ahead of me. Oh, no problem, man, I'll do what you need me to do. Oh yeah, no problem. And then I get home and I find myself fighting for my rights, right? Fighting for getting what I want. And this passage in Philippians 2 paints a picture of submission and points to Jesus as the example. And I don't think this passage should be applied more vehemently or focused anywhere as much as it is within our own homes, from both husbands and the wife, as well as towards our kids, as being a parent and kids towards your parents. Let's look as he goes on to Ephesians chapter six, what he goes on to say, children, obey your parents as to the, in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is a first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This again is certainly raising the bar from this idea of like parents rule your kids and kids obey or else, right? I mean, it wasn't that long ago. You know what, it's like kids should be seen and not heard. So two kids, kids are being encouraged in this passage to honor your father and mother. And when you consider their interest above your own, it will go better with you than just thinking of your own interest above theirs, right? It's calling, it's calling you to submit to your parents as unto the Lord and to see how much blessing and life as a child you could actually bring into your home and into your own life as you live this way. And then for fathers and mothers, we're being encouraged to not exasperate our children, to not continuously like nag and overwhelm them with our agendas or, or focusing on fearing them, right? Into submission and obedience, but to understand them to walk alongside them, to teach them through your life and through your actions, the ways of the Lord. We're submitting to them as parents, submitting to them in this way and praying that we can watch as we connect with our kids, that we lead them by example and prayerfully have a wonderful voice in their lives as they grow up. So see, submitting to one another is not something to be taken lightly, especially in our homes. I believe it's a calling of all of us, whether you're a husband, wife, a parent, or a child. It is Christ's example for us to follow. Listen to what Jesus taught in Mark chapter 10, verse 42. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that in this world, kings are tyrants and officials lorded over the people beneath them. That, that structure, that hierarchy structure, that shame structure. But among you, it should be quite different, he says to his followers. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even I, the son of man came here not to be served, but to serve others 
and to give my life as a ransom for many. It is Jesus' invitation. It's his invitation of this upside down kingdom of God in your home where life and hope in our relationships can begin to flourish and thrive as we submit to one another at a reverence for Christ, as we put the other person above ours, their interest above ours. But it's not just submitting that we see in this passage or in the book of Ephesians. The second thing is this, is that what Paul encourages the husband to do, he encourages all of us to do in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 where he says, be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And I do believe that that there's a good chance, right? That in that time of when Paul was writing that loving your wife as yourself and laying down your life for her probably wasn't the most common practice. I'm not a historian in any way, but this week I did read about within the church and outside the, you know, within the religious systems and outside of religious systems back in that day of how much men were allowed to treat wives as property and less than them. And the wives were encouraged to just follow along even into heinous sinful things just to allow and to just submit and be subjected to their husbands. So I don't think this was something that was probably very common. So this is a very powerful call to husbands in that culture to love and sacrifice as Christ did. But at the same time, this is a call for all of us. Whether I'm a husband or wife, a parent or a child, it's the call to love one another. Because you see, togetherness can grow in our homes when we all love each other as Christ has loved us. That's where we'll see real togetherness begin to grow and begin to flourish. And and throughout the book of Ephesians, Paul has been teaching what love looks like, how we ought to focus on that in our relationships to grow in unity and togetherness. It's the same call and teaching that he said about growing in unity as Jews and Gentiles becoming one within the church is the same thing we can apply into our homes and might even be more important for it to start in our homes. So what did he teach? I mean, you think about Corinthians and the love passage, right? Like love is this, this, this. This is exactly what he teaches throughout this epistle here, throughout this letter to the Ephesians church. Let's look at Ephesians chapter four, verse two. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. I want you right where you are right now, just to think about this passage. We'll keep it up there. Just to let it sink in and to consider how you are loving your spouse, how you are loving your kids and how you're loving your parents and how much this passage might encourage you or challenge you. Be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love and making every effort to keep the unity of peace. Opening our eyes to how we might handle something more humbly or, or respond more gently or actually put up with each other a bit more patiently. 
In a minute, I'm gonna challenge you if you want to, that I'm gonna tell you a time that you can pause your TV, pause your computer and think, pray, and possibly even talk if you're sitting with your spouse or your kids or you're with your parents to actually maybe stop, talk, stop and talk together and to be open to ask yourselves a few tough questions. The two questions I'm thinking of is this, like how have I done well in showing humility, gentleness, and patience? And where can I improve? Man, as I do a lot of counseling with couples, I oftentimes challenge couples to ask these questions to each other. Because what I have found, I oftentimes get defensive if my wife or my kids share with me where I have not been humble or gentle or patient. If they share with me where I can maybe grow in that area without my permission to, to share that, I can find myself getting very argumentative, very defensive in that. What I have found in my life is the more I ask someone this question, the more I'm willing to sit there and say, honey, how am I doing? The more powerfully I'm open to receiving what they say. So I'm talking about if you're gonna pause in a minute here and you're gonna really ask these questions, really talk about this together to really listen and learn and not defend and argue. Maybe you need to pray first with your spouse to say, hey, God, help us to seek understanding and just instead of just disagreement. So I can understand you better to really understand your spouse or your kids or even your parents. And, and I wanna tell you that if you do this, the next verse I want you to consider is Ephesians 4.32, which another big part of love, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. When you begin these discussions, forgiveness is going to be a needed response, I'm sure. But I hope that maybe you would put it on pause. My wife always asked the question because we, saw, we heard this at a retreat once where it was this idea of like making deposits into your, into your love bank or your respect bank or whatever it is that you're looking for, right? You know, I'm being cherished or I'm being taken care of, whatever it is. And my wife asked, how have I been depositing into your, your love bank? How have I been depositing into your life? Or I've been making more withdrawals or deposits. And I just hope that if you did press pause or you do it right now, that you'll understand how powerful this could be. And it's not a one-time thing. Oftentimes this discussion could be very difficult at first, but if you make it a weekly thing, let's say, I'm gonna ask, how have I done over the last week? Ever brought in like six months of junk into our discussion? <laughs> you know, and maybe once a week, how am I doing in bringing this patience and kindness and gentleness in life? How am I struggling with it? And what, how can I improve? And that becomes an ongoing discussion. The discussion will get better it will get easier and it will get more effective. So pause and spend the time if you need to. You know, up on that billboard uh, outside of our church here, we had for a long time up there, as well as we had these lawn signs that we gave out that people put in their lawns. And the verse was, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says, above all, love each other deeply. But, but where it goes from there is really the part that always has captured me because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love covers over a multitude of sins. Patience, kindness, gentleness, forgiveness. It covers over sins that might be taking place against each other in our homes. And my hope and prayer is that God might begin a, new, begin a new work in your home starting today. A work where you submit to one another, 
love each other and set an example of the love of God put on display through Christ. It's exactly what it says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, where it says, this is how we know what love is. How do we know? That Jesus Christ laid his life down for us and we ought to lay down our lives for each other. Let that sink in. Think about that. Like, how do we know what love is? Well, we know by what we believe that Christ laid his life down for us to put on display that we are loved by God. He took on sin, conquered sin and death. He, he paid the penalty, this, this, this brutality of what sin creates, this darkness, this, this brokenness, this blindness. And he paid for it. He rose from the dead. And so we know what love is by him. But then he says, and we ought to lay down our lives for each other because when we love each other, we're putting that on display as well. That's where we really see it. You know, and I really want to encourage you that are married right now. When you think about this idea, when you think about this reality in your marriage, it's much more than just achieving a like happy, wonderful family and marriage. It's so much more than that. See, if you are married, then on that day of your wedding, you made a covenant with your spouse. You made a covenant. You didn't make a contract. You made a covenant. You probably in your vows said something like, I promise to love you and cherish you and serve you, to honor you until death do us part. You made a one-sided covenant and promise to them. I've yet to be at a marriage where their vows were like, I promise to love you if you love me. I'll cherish you if you cherish me. I'll serve you if you serve me. I mean, that's how we live, but that's not usually the covenant that we make on that wedding day. So we make this promise. And this covenant that we are making to our spouse is a representation of something far bigger and more amazing than this, your marriage. It represents a profound mystery and truth that Paul goes on to say in Ephesians chapter five, verse 31. As he sits there and says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one. They'll become one. Just like he's talked about Jews and Gentiles. I mean, when you get married, you become one, this unified. And this is a profound mystery. But look what he says, but I'm not talking about marriage, right? But I'm talking about Christ and the church is the profound mystery that your marriage represents that your marriage is representing this profound mystery of God's covenantal love towards us. That through Christ, God loves us. He accepts us. Sin is no longer accounted against us. We are now holy and blameless in his sight, as he said earlier in Ephesians chapter five. And I'm telling you, man, if this relationship with God is based on grace and mercy and forgiveness and love. And, and this real deep understanding of God's love for us, his grace for us, his mercy for us, his forgiveness for us that is put on display through Christ. There is no relationship on this planet where that could be put on display more than a marriage. It's put on display in all relationships. Don't get me wrong. But if any of you are married, you know that one of the hardest relationships on this planet can be a marriage. It's where I can't hide anymore, right? Any of you found out in your marriage, you just can't hide anymore? Like you can't pretend? It comes out. 
And man, I can find myself saying in our home, man, we can say things to our spouse that I would never say to another woman, or my wife might never say to another man, or my kids would never say to another adult, and I would never say to another child. Hurtful things, painful things, things that can really break down togetherness. And because that is true, because when we get comfortable in a relationship like that, is where we can begin to like really sin the most and hurt the most. This understanding of God's love and putting that love on display is most powerful and most needed within our families. It's where we should be focusing on that the most. It's where we should focus on this submission that he's talking about, putting ourselves under. Uh, Families should be like, well, we're trying to put ourselves underneath everyone else. Like, how do I serve? How do I put myself under everyone else's interests instead of this top down? I'm the husband. Well, I'm the parent. Just listen. But we actually learn to put on display this covenantal, beautiful love of God that was put on display through Christ that we are unified with God, that we are one with him through faith. And that's what we're putting on display in our homes. So in closing, I just wanna say this, that togetherness in our homes is worth focusing on because experiencing and advancing the love of God is worth living for. So when you think about this idea of togetherness, and you think about this idea of submitting and loving, I hope you will see what a beautiful journey that we have in front of us. And I just wanna encourage you to submit to one another and to love each other deeply. Submit to one another and love each other deeply. I wanna invite you to something that maybe, because I'm, I'm here at, you know, at Temecula today, But on Tuesdays, I always do like a live Instagram. And I usually do it at 10 o'clock, but I'm gonna start doing it at at 12, little noontime nugget that maybe make it more available to people. I think I might do it on the Temecula Instagram this week. And we just talk more about this. We discuss about this. Man, this this is a focus in my, I've been married for 26 years. This, what we're talking about today is such a focus in my heart and mind towards my wife and towards my kids. And it has been an effort to do it over the last, well, with my kids, especially over the last five, six years. I have a 22-year-old and a 21-year-old. So this, this Tuesday at noon, we'll be talking about this live on Instagram. I will take some questions and comments from other people. It's usually been a lot of fun. So come join us if you can at 12 o'clock this Tuesday. And I'll be there every Tuesday. And I hope by this message today, by maybe you stopping and pausing earlier, if you haven't, maybe you do this now, stop and pause and ask those questions and maybe getting together on Tuesday, we can really focus on what it looks like to submit to one another and to love each other deeply. As Christ has done towards us, may we do towards one another. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your example. Putting on display through Christ, your love and your grace and your mercy putting our interests in a sense above your own as you took on sin, as you, oh man, just suffered the consequences of it. And you conquered sin and death to show us that there's life in you. I just pray for families out there today that they might learn what it means to submit to one another, to consider each other's interests above their own, to love one another by showing kindness and patience and gentleness and forgiveness, just as you have shown to us. May through the power of your spirit today through some conversations, this become a new step in some families' lives 
towards healing, healthy relationships, and togetherness through your spirit. For your glory and honor in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us today. I hope you'll join us again next week as we finish up this Ephesians uh, series and we go through Ephesians chapter six. So I hope to see you next week. Have a great Sunday and God bless you.